Well, uh, first of all, this is your first time here. My name is Jay, and I had the privilege of serving as one of the leaders here at the BCM. And we do love the Word, and every single week we come together, we spend a few minutes and moments in God's Word. And we have been going, we started off a journey last week through the book of Ecclesiastes, and we're going to continue that on with my friend tonight who's coming to teach from Ecclesiastes chapter 2, Pastor Fennel, who is uh, one of the pastors. Come on, give yes for sure. And... Uh, Bishop Fennel, I'm just messing around, but uh, Pastor Fennel, he uh, is one of the pastors actually at my home church, Living Faith, and uh, he is on our new teaching team here at the BCM tonight, and I know you're going to be blessed. But tonight, um, if you have your Bibles, and I hope you do, if you don't, you can just maybe share your, a friend's Bible. I'm going to be reading from the New Living Translation, all of Ecclesiastes chapter 2, and then our friend Fennel who's going to come and zero in on a couple of verses from this chapter. Ecclesiastes chapter 2, verse 1, says this, I said to myself, come on, let's try pleasure. Let's look for the good things in life. But I found that this too was meaningless. So I said, laughter is silly. What good does it do to seek pleasure? After much thought, I decided to cheer myself with wine. And while still seeking wisdom, I clutched at the foolishness. In this way, I tried to experience the only happiness most people find during their brief, brief life in this world. Verse 4, he says, I also try to find meaning by building huge homes for myself and by planting beautiful vineyards. I made gardens and parks, filling them with all kinds of fruit trees. I built reservoirs to collect the water to irrigate my many flourishing groves. I bought slaves, both men and women, and others were born into my household. I also owned large herds and flocks, more than any of the kings who had lived in Jerusalem before me. I collected great sums of silver and gold, the treasure of many kings and provinces. I hired wonderful singers, both men and women, and had many beautiful concubines. I had everything a man could, could, could desire. So... I became greater than all who had lived in Jerusalem before me, and my wisdom never failed me. Anything I wanted, I would take. I denied myself no pleasure. I even found great pleasure in hard work and a reward for all my labors. But as I looked at everything I had worked so hard to accomplish, it was all so meaningless, like chasing the wind. There was nothing really worthwhile anywhere. So I decided to compare wisdom with foolishness and madness for who can do this better than I, the king? I thought wisdom is better than foolishness, just as light is better than darkness. For the wise can see where they are going, but fools walk in dark. Yet I saw that the wise and the foolish share the same fate. Both will die. So I said to myself, since I will end up in the, in the same as the fool, what's the value of all my wisdom? This is all so meaningless. For the wise and the foolish both die. The wise will not be remembered any longer than the fool. In the days to come, both will be forgotten. Verse 17, so I came to hate life because everything done under the sun is so troubling. Everything is meaningless, like chasing the wind. Verse 18, I came to hate all my hard work here on earth, for I must leave to others everything I have earned. And who can tell whether my successors will be wise or foolish? Yet, they will control everything I have gained by my skill and hard work under the sun. How meaningless. So I gave up in despair, questioning the value of all my hard work in this world. Some people work wisely with knowledge and skill, then must leave the fruit of their efforts to someone who hasn't worked for it. This too is meaningless, a great tragedy. So what do people get in this life for all their hard work and anxiety? 
Verse 23, their days of labor are filled with pain and grief. Even at night, their minds cannot rest. It is all meaningless. So I decided there is nothing better than to enjoy food and drink and to find satisfaction in work. Then I realized that these pleasures are from the hand of God. For who can eat or enjoy anything apart from him? God gives wisdom, knowledge, and joy to those who please him. But if a sinner becomes wealthy, God takes the wealth away and gives it to those who please him. This too is meaningless, like chasing the wind. This is the word of God. Please welcome my friend, Pastor Fennel, as he comes. My name is Fennel, as Jay said. Um, it is French and Haitian, so it's kind of different. Blame my mom for that. Uh, but it's all good. It's unique. Um, and yeah, tonight I just really want to share, um, where's that timer at? I'm good. Gotcha. Um, just want to share briefly with you guys, and um, as much as I like to joke around and things like that, this is a serious text as you just read that. Um, it demands us to ask real life questions. Um, we can't just walk away from this text and be like, okay, this is just, you know, some good Bible reading, or this is just a good word. And so tonight I want us to dive in a little bit. I'm going to focus on verses 4 through 10. And so I'm going to ask you to have your Bible to read, to follow with. I'm going to say, look at it and stuff like that so you can narrow it in. Because as I have been raising the word and stuff like that, I realized I didn't really study it for myself. And so I want to implore you guys to do that tonight. And so I'm going to start from verse 4. I'm reading in the CSB. I'm not too sure what translations you guys like reading in, but this is kind of like our standard um, kind of basic translation that's not... Uh, uh, what's that translation that everyone likes? The message. There you go. <laughs> so it's not like that, but it's very simple to understand. When you get there, just say amen. Okay, so four people got there. <laughs> awesome. Sorry if I moved that too far, y'all. I just... Right. Holy ground. Let me stop. <laughs> so it goes like this. Verse four. I increased my achievements... I built houses and planted vineyards for myself. I made gardens and parks for myself and planted every kind of fruit tree in them. I constructed reservoirs for myself from which to irrigate and grove would be flourishing trees. I acquired male and female servants, had slaves, not like slavery today or in our time, I should say, America, who were born in my house. I also owned livestock, large herds and flocks, more than all who were before me in Jerusalem. Verse 8, I amassed silver and gold for myself. The treasure of the kings and provinces, I gathered male and female singers for myself and many concubines, the, the lights of men. So I became great and surpassed all who were before me in Jerusalem, my wisdom also remained with me. Verse 10, all that my eyes desired, I did not deny them. I, do not, I did not refuse myself of any pleasure, for I took pleasure in all my struggles. This was my reward for all my struggles. Our thought tonight simply is, Does anyone know? No one? I thought someone was going to yell it out for me. <laughs> but what's your pleasure? What's your pleasure? I'm going to pray real quick, and then we'll, we'll dive in. Father, please, 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 
be in our midst, Lord. Be in our midst tonight, Lord. As we open your word, as we read and listen intently to the word of God preached and delivered, as Jay said, that this would touch the heart, the grounds that are ready to receive that this soil of the heart would be fertile and ready to take in and ingest what you have for us tonight, God. Use me. Hide me behind the cross. Allow me to be naked before you, Lord, so that I would give your people a word. And those who may not know you, Lord, that they may hear and repent, Lord, and not hear this word as a just far-off, crazy, random word, but a word that moves you to repent a word that moves you to consider your life. Lord, would you do that among us? We love you. We thank you. In Jesus' name, we say amen. What's your pleasure? Must be the pharaohs he entombed with his soul. So when he buried in a tomb full of gold, treasure, what's your pleasure? Life is a, uh, depending how you dress her. So if the devil wear Prada, Adam, Eve wear nada, but I'm way more fresher. <laughs> Y'all know exactly where that song is from. But with way less effort, because when you try hard, you die hard. I'm sure you guys know that song. Some of you may know. In my 2000s, we listened to that's Kanye West, Can't Tell Me Nothing, 07, great song. And the reason why I highlighted just this little itty-bitty portion of this song, because a lot of people, music genius, all these Artists will go, go decipher this and be like, yo, what is, this, what is this cat saying? What is Kanye getting at with these lyrics? And when he says, must be the pharaohs he in tune with his soul, this, 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 this phrase that Kanye West is using is saying that pharaohs back in the day, what they would do is stockpile all this gold. And guess what they would leave it for? For their descendants. So Pharaoh would leave it for his son. His son would leave that gold for his son. And it just continued on and on and on and on. And part of their kind of thinking was, Egyptian thinking was, you know, if we leave this gold here, when we go to the afterlife, we're going to be rewarded and we're going to see all this treasure come with us too as well. But this, this, this meaning is not so far off for us if we're honest. If we're honest, we sometimes live. Can we just be real tonight? We're going to be real. If we're honest and real, can we Identify with that, where we believe and think that all these treasures and pleasures and gold that we accumulate and amass here on earth will follow with us. Can I get an amen? Somebody. And I think if we're not careful, we could read this text and see it as, oh, well, this is for the, the, the extreme person or the person who really struggles with material stuff and struggles with having a lot and struggles with, excuse me, uh, um, just stockpiling per se, but not, not, not necessarily. This is for all of us. This is for me. This is for you. We live in a culture and society. It's not a part of my notes. We live in America. We live in a place where you can go and get endless drinks, where you can go and get food and pay just $15 and get as much food as your belly can hold. We don't live in Haiti where there's 70% poverty rate. We don't live in other parts of the Caribbean where people are literally going through trash or in Yemen, how they're looking through trash for food. I'm not trying to make this about humanitarian you know, sermon either, but just showing us that, 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 that we can walk away from this and say, man, this is, this is not, this, I, 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 I don't see how this really gets to me, Jesus, because I don't struggle with that. And so I want us to dial in a little bit. I want us to kind of just see how 
are pursuing, that's why I asked this question, what is your, thank you, sir. Thank you, thank you, thank you. That's why I asked this question. I'm actually going to grab a little sip. Um, I run on Peloton all the, all the time, so if you see me. Thank you, thank you, thank you. I got 30 minutes, Jay. You did this to me. She should have gave me 40 minutes. No. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> but no, seriously. And so we, we, we have this tendency, family, and I'm going to call you guys family. We have this tendency to really look at this text and be like, well, I'm so distant from it. It doesn't apply to me. And so I want us to look at this first thing. So let's ask ourselves some questions. This is what we should do when you're a real good Bible student or a Bible kind of reader. Ask yourself, well, what's the problem with pleasure? What's the, pro- what's the problem? What's the big deal about seeking pleasure? Another question we could ask. Can I not seek God and pleasure at the same time? If you know anything about John Piper, he kind of goes through this question. And to elaborate and to kind of clarify, too, this idea of pleasure that we're talking about is not just one of uh, physical pleasure. It's another thing that we always do. We see pleasure to only mean in the physical. But it's more than that. There is emotion involved. There is some other aspects that, 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 that talk about pleasure in the scriptures and both in just in psychology. Some of you guys may know that pleasure is not merely just this thing that we feel, but it's a sense of where our heart longs and desires to be. Another question we can ask tonight is what does this mean in light of my eternity? Jay highlighted this little phrase last week. Huge, huge question that we can literally spend every single week for the next year asking, what does this whole thing mean in light of my standing before Jesus, which we all will do at some point? What does that mean for me? Now, we won't answer all of this tonight outright, but I want to show you through just three little points, and I had to condense this so I can make sure I'm on time and that you guys aren't here till midnight. But last week we heard Jay mentioning um, this idea that he's kind of teaching um, and not preaching. Today I'm going to preach instead of teach. And so that's where I'm coming from. Let's, let's look at the first point. Let's look at the first point. Verse 4 says, I increased my achievements. I built houses and planted vineyards for myself. I made gardens and parks for myself and planted every kind of fruit tree in them. I constructed. Let me stop there, actually. We know this passage not to be a tongue twister or some cryptic message, right? But first thing is that we know that achieving in so many ways, looking at this text can be deceiving. Can I say that again? Because none of y'all responded. Achieving can be deceiving. Vital, vital point in this text. That, that means that you're empty, that, that there, excuse me, there is an emptiness in your achieving. So you who, sorry, I'm going to pick on you guys because you guys told me you guys are studying psychology. You are studying psychology and you believe that there is some, some, some huge benefit when you stand before Jesus and you say, hey, well, Jesus, I studied psychology. I've, I've achieved much. I've got this PhD. I got this master's in theology or whatever it may be. I'm not saying you shouldn't do that. But in so many ways, this passage, this tension that the author is trying to give us is that achieving can be deceiving for a person. In what way, Fennel? Why do you say that, Fennel? What do you mean? Isn't God wanting us to go to med school? Isn't God wanting us to achieve much? Isn't God wanting us to amass and to save for our children's children? Isn't God wanting us to be successful? 
Doesn't mean achieving and getting a PhD in psychology could move me to make more money so I could help mom and so I could help dad and so I could help my children. Isn't that a good thing? Isn't this more money thing helpful for me to provide for, excuse me, y'all, provide for those that I love and, and, and organizations that I care about? In one sense, sure. And that's valid. But I think tonight, when we look at the text, the author's trying to say that, hey, look, look, all you're achieving. At the root, at the end of your achievement, you can amass and achieve and PhD and theology and whatever you want to do and kind of take all this stuff in and still be empty. Only Jay understands that. That, that, that you can get a degree. You can go do four years at USF and, and study psychology and go get a PhD and you, you, know, you got your gown, you're looking all fresh and tipped up, you're great. And still, that can be empty. It can be empty and futile. Our achieving in so many ways looks like this because what? We prop ourselves in the center of our achievements. We prop ourselves in the center, in the center of our achievements. Sorry, y'all. I'm just all disoriented right now. In the center of our achievements, we have ourselves. We have a mural of ourselves. And some can say, well, you know, there's a selfie culture. The millennial culture is a selfie culture. No, the selfie culture has been here forever. People have been worrying about themselves forever. You're not the first culture, a lot of you guys aren't millennials, but you're not the first culture to be concerned about self. And I think the author is trying to narrow in and say, look, I, I, I want you to see the tension here. That those of us who make a life that circled around achieving and amassing and trying to get as much as we can and can never get enough, that person is following this path and walking this path that leads to emptiness. None of you guys are getting this. I'm sorry. I just, I need some amen and stuff. I'm used to saying amen. I'm some responses. Okay, praise God. <laughs> but seriously, y'all, students, tonight, I do implore you, living this life, as Jay kind of alluded, he asked these questions about meaning and purpose this person who lives this life, who is so concerned about achieving and accumulating, is truly living a life. If they're truly looking just at that and they have themselves in the center, is living a life that lacks purpose. You live a life that doesn't have any, I don't care how many degrees you have. I used to be a science guy, love biology, wanted to be a medical student, all this stuff. And I was wrapped in, before Jesus here, I was wrapped in my studies. I wanted to be known. I wanted to be great. I want it to be that guy. I think that Jesus was like, no, that's not what it's about. You don't pursue this thing so that you can be propped up and, and, and be great by your own power. I need you to do it through me. I need you to see that I am the one who's doing this for you, not just through you, but for you, for real. And that in the end, that you would be an ambassador for me and go to the ends of the earth and be faithful until death. I'm sorry, I'm going off my notes because I think that we, we aren't seeing how hard and heavy this is. For me, I wrestled with this this week. Here I am with my nice truck and I live in America and I have a fat savings and I have all of this filtered water. I have a filtered water and bottled water at my house. So it's like double filtration. Water's super clean. And so I'm just like, Lord, how do I preach this? How do I teach this tonight without being fraud? without being a phony, without being a fake, without being a person who's just saying, hey, you guys need to follow this and then go back to my luxuries. And so I'm calling us all family, you, me, 
all of us, great, small, big, to see that our Lord is saying that achieving in so many ways, when it's not in me, when it's not for the kingdom, can be deceiving to the soul. I'm going to hurry up. Number two, we find this in verse nine. Look at this. Author is saying, so I became great and surpassed all who were before me in Jerusalem. Can't see my time. Okay, I'm good. Fam, Jesus is not only warning us to not pursue our own form of greatness, but as scriptures would say, that we would boast in what? Boast in our weakness. We don't boast in our greatness. We don't boast in what we can do on our own efforts and our own strength. We don't boast in what we've amassed and say, well, I've achieved this. And it's, typically, we, we, we do this in our culture. We're probably the only culture that really makes a big deal about introductions in, in this way. If I was at South Florida, I'm from South Florida, and um, I came, I went to uh, Miami-Dade last year talking at something, and they gave me this long introduction. I was like, yo, 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 I, I don't need all that. I don't need all that, but that's what we want. We want it to be recognized by this. This is Fennel with the MPH and PhD and this, 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 and this, this, that. We want to be known because we're seeking to be great. We're seeking to be known as this person who amassed so much and such high standard and such high status that you in return will be like, yeah, I am great. You better put that MPH at the end of my name. You better put those letters. And so I think our text is saying, look, look, I don't want you to boast in this greatness. Verse 9 is saying, this, this author is pointing at the fact that, look, I became so great, there is no one greater in this land. He's not saying that to say we should all be like him. He's saying this to say, this is how high I've reached in the ladder of success. And some of you will have that opportunity. You will get out of here and you'll get really good jobs. Most of you will. Most of you will get good jobs, and not just because you went to USF, but because you live in a place where cost of living is high, so you're going to make six figures maybe. And you live in a place where jobs are just thrown out a lot of times. And I feel like we can, we can miss this by seeing, well, well, Lord, isn't that my blessing? Isn't that my, you know, this is you kind of loving me by giving me that good thing? And I would say the author is saying, mm -mm, watch out. Greatness in so many ways can, can, can hinder you, can block you, can be a stumbling block in so many ways for the person who puts themselves at the center of that. Are you guys following me? Are you guys following me? Today we know this. Everyone in our society, everybody wants to be famous. Everybody wants to have a platform. Everybody wants to be a speaker. Everyone has a, uh, a, a, a social media account that has all of these podcasts and things like that. Everyone's teaching. Everyone's proclaiming. Everyone's kind of doing this thing. I'm not saying you shouldn't do that if you have a desire to do that. But what I am saying is that a lot of that, if we're being honest, we're keeping it a book, a lot of that is wrapped in wanting to be great. People want to be famous. A lot of us here probably want to be famous, and we're seeing in our scriptures that all that fame, all that you can amass, if it's not in Jesus, which more than likely it probably isn't sometimes when it's, especially in the social media realm, it's empty. It's empty. You can't do anything with empty. It's like literally trying to catch this. You can't do anything. You're not getting anywhere. You're not getting ahead. You may think you're getting ahead, but you're not. And in so many ways, I, I, I want to say this just briefly before we get to our last point. 
I just really want us to be, to be honest. I want us to be heart excavators tonight. I want us to be real with each other. I don't want you walking away from this. And I'm being so serious, y'all. You guys talk to me after and be like, yo, you were kind of like, you know, crazy amp up there. I said, like, yes, because I don't want you guys to walk out of here and think that the real life, the real world out there is just getting all you can. Let me amass and just rise this ladder. And it's like, no, show the world that you are going to be a people who are concerned, who isn't concerned about making money and um, just getting all these great jobs and great rides. Show the world that there's so much more to life than the pleasures of this world. Show the world that one day you will die and stand before Jesus. And yes, we know that you won't bring that with you, but what do you want to be known by? What do you want your obituary to read? Do you want it to read the guy who went to USF and studied psychology and died with all this money and didn't know the Lord? Seriously, do you want it to read and render that way? Ecclesiastes is calling us. There's a lot of tension here. And the reason why I'm not even pressing into the notes anymore, because I feel like the Lord is leading me to say, look, fam, it's not even about trying to, to balance this thing out. Because I had some struggles. Like, Lord, well, how do I tell students, you know, they, they, they already, you know, they don't have a lot of money and stuff like that from those parts. Some, some do. But they're, they're, they're kind of walking a season where they're relying on help and, and support in so many ways. And so I don't want to beat them up too bad. I don't want to discourage them. I don't want to tell them, hey, you know, change your major right now. I'm not doing that. But at the same time, I think the Lord is saying, no, look, no, this is a perfect, prime, ripe opportunity to tell and encourage the next generation. Say, hey, look, what you live for today will mean so much more tomorrow. What you do today in this season, this time, this little kind of bubble you're in will mean so much more 30, 40 years. And you're talking to someone that has literally lived just a life in, in my early 20s. Just a sinful, stupid life. I hate talking about my life when I was 21, 20, and 22. Wrapped in sin, wrapped in just stupid, just running after dumb stuff. And I'm sorry to make it sound that, but it was really, literally like that. I was so low, so bad, I didn't even know I was depressed in that season. I think our Lord is saying, look, no, 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 I have so much more. This author is showing this show, so much more. And I know it sounds kind of sad in this chapter, but it gets a little bit better later on. And then it gets a little more sad again. Then it gets a little better. And then it ends sad. And so it's just back and forth. So y'all going to be sad, happy, sad, happy. But the most part, the author is trying to show us that there's a tension. There's a tension in the text. He wants to prove that to us. And so real quick before I have nine minutes left, my last point. My last point. And in verse 10, you can see this as well. Wounding can happen to the soul. When our eyes behold greatness, achievement, success, there is a type of wounding. I'm not trying to sound too convoluted here. Verse 10, wounding the eye can wound the soul. That's a pretty common and simple kind of biblical um, just understanding of the text. When I talk about your physical eye, a lot of people will see this and be like, well, is that talking about like porn and sexual, mor sexual morality? Yes, it pertains to that too. But they're speaking of the eye as the gateway to the soul. The eye as, as, as the kind of like the funnel, the channel by which the soul is actually flushed out. And tonight, family, BCM family, just want to implore you guys for real, as your eye or as kind of the, the window of your soul, it's going to want to behold greatness, 
You're going to be encouraged maybe by some professors and be like, well, I want to be like them. I have a professor I really love. His name is Arthur L. Beeman. Had him at the University of Kentucky. Great professor, but he was so wrapped up in himself. I didn't know this at the time. I thought this was what it meant to be a man, to be an intellect, to be smart, to be successful. He knew a lot. He had a lot of status on the campus. He's coming to find out this man was lost. This man was broken. This man had many marriages that he went not saying that, you know, he's in sin because of that, but went through many marriages and losses and stuff like that in his life. But he was just seeking accolades. His wall was filled with them. And so in so many ways, I think our author is saying, listen to this, because some of us need to hear this. Some of our cravings, some of our desires, some of our kind of just the idiosyncrasies, whatever you want to call them, can be so worldly, can be so just outside of what Jesus is calling us to, that it can actually subvert the scriptures. It can be, does that make sense, y'all? Does none of y'all track with me? That our desires can be so just, just really odd, especially as Christians. Talking about Christians, we can see this text and be like, well, no, Jesus, this doesn't pertain to me because I, I know what my eye is seeing. I know what's going on in the gateway in my soul. I understand what's going on. It's like, no, you don't, the author says. Why? Because he's saying, I amassed and I got everything and found it to be empty. I was the greatest of the greatest. I was that dog. I was the top dog on campus. I was that dude. And still it was empty. And so some of us will attempt to think that we could just keep on getting And because we're not on the extreme end, because we're not in a ditch, because we're not kind of going out and doing crazy stuff, we think we're fine. And I think our our, our passage is saying and making this clear to us, it's saying, yeah, we can be like that. We can be like the world in so many ways. And in our text, I think there is a caution for us. We see this even through uh, the story of, of this Christian apologist that passed away last year. Preaching and teaching. And what did he say? He said that, as he was fondling a woman, the reports say, yeah, my doing this was from the toil and my labor. Some of you guys may know who he is. I don't want to say his name. But he was trying to subvert the scriptures by saying, I actually deserve to do this sexual moral thing because of all the labor that I do in this world, all the ministering that I do, all the reaching out that I do. Saints, can you see that? Can you see how sometimes we can be that way? As we look at this text, can we see how we can take our lives and take what we have, what God has bestowed on us, and make it into this thing that actually is not biblical, one, and not godly? For real. And this is not just to y'all. This is to me, too. We can sit here and act like, oh, well, this is, it's not that bad. It is that bad, actually. Solomon, Solomon, the author, said, it is that bad. It's so bad that you're going to come to the end of your life and say, all the toil that I did, all the things that I amassed, it meant nothing. It meant nothing. Just a grossly and insane and asinine life. Just nothing. And the only encouragement I can really give you tonight, and as we're walking through this book, and I'm going to be teaching later on when it gets a little happy, God is not merely looking to just reward us with stuff here on this earth. But what does he want to do? He wants to use you, VCM. 
He wants to use you. You are instruments being used by Jesus for his cause, with your major, with your life. You're not called to just kind of build your own life and worry about it. The song doesn't go build my life. No, it's build, build my life for you, Jesus, not build my life for me. And so tonight I'm just calling us to, in my short, 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 short kind of closing, um, the, the team can come back up because I think I have three minutes left. I'm blind. I can't see. God wants to use us, people of God. And those who may now know the Lord, he wants to use you too. He wants to use you in a way that says, hey, look, you were this person. You were in porn, 19. You didn't know me. You were broken and depressed at 20. At 21, you said you wanted to be a doctor, but then you changed and you want to be an architect. You want to be this other person. You were just crazy all over the place. And then at 22 and 23, you're going in and out of relationships. God used all of that to make this person me, to stand on this stage and tell you about him. So saints, it's possible. He can use you. Even if you don't know the Lord, it's possible that he's using and working in you even now in this moment. You're going to hear this and say, brother, this is not for me, but it is. This is for all of us. Jay's not exempt. I'm not exempt. None of you guys with your psychology degrees, none of y'all exempt. Kai, you're not exempt. I love y'all boys. I'm sorry. <laughs> but the whole point of all of this, and I think John Piper kind of really frames this in his idea of Christian hedonism, if you guys have heard of this. I strongly agree with this. That at the deepest depths of our hearts, our pleasure should be in what? In Jesus. At the root of our hearts, what should be our end? Our pleasure should really be in Christ Jesus. Oh, and don't let me start talking about Matthew 6. How it says, seek all these things and my righteousness and it'll be added unto you. But guys, we have so many promises in scriptures. But we just don't care, if I'm being honest. I don't care sometimes. I don't read those scriptures that, are, that, 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 that literally promise me that if I follow Jesus, that everything will be cared for. I want to get it myself. I want to be great. I want to be the greatest preacher ever. I want to be the greatest father ever. I want to be all, this, all these great things, which I think we should kind of, you know, we should be a good father. Fellow. But in that, if it's for me, it's empty. If it's for self, it's empty. If it's for mom, it's empty. If it's for dad, it's empty. If it's for your tribe, it's empty. If it's for your people, miente, it's empty. Just keeping it real. And so saints, I'm just calling us in this tonight as we close. I really, really, really desperately want us all to reflect. I don't want to close and leave and you guys are saying, that was good. I want you guys to truly reflect, where am I, Jesus? Where am I with you? What are you saying to me tonight? Fill in the blank with your name. What can I do, Lord Jesus, to live in a way that wouldn't resemble futility? What can I do to resemble a life that says, Lord, I am living to please you in all that I do. I'm living and having my being in you. Saints, that's what I want us to reflect on. That's what I want us to reflect on tonight. And as we go, as we fellowship and speak to one another, I'm not asking that you guys would say, hey, change your major, and I'm not saying that. But I am saying challenge one another in that too. God has ordained 
this moment for you guys to be here. Please don't be like me. Don't waste six, seven years of your life running around doing silly stuff. Please don't do that. Please come to Jesus today. Come to Jesus today. I'm just going to close with this last, last verse. And I think it's critical. I know I'm probably over my time. The reason why I'm calling on this, and I think our Lord is calling, is because of 2 Timothy 3.1. And this is a encouragement or an exhortation. You can read it that way. But it says this. But this I know, hard times will come in the last days. For people will be lovers of self, lovers of money, boastful, proud, demeaning, disobedient to parents, ungrateful, unholy, unloving, irreconcilable, slanderers without self-control, brutal without love for what is good, traitors, reckless, conceited, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. Saints, this is for us. Verse 5 says, holding to the form of godliness but denying its power, avoid these people. There will be people tomorrow, tonight maybe, that will say, hey, God, listen to that. Or that will say, it's not that serious, bro. But it is that serious. Your life depends on it. Hell is knocking for some. And I'm not trying to make anyone feel sorry or bad or sad, but that's the reality, that this book is really asking us to work in this tension and asking us in the light of eternity what our Lord is showing us to say, look, I want all of you. Not half, not a bit, not a piece, but all of you. BCM family, will you accept this charge? Will you accept this charge to gain much for the glory of God? I love Jay's quote. I probably am going to forget it. What is it again? Live with high empty. Will that be your life? Will you be known by that? Will your obituary read that? Where you, will your kids say that of you? If you have any, will your parents say that of you when you leave? That's all I got. That's the call tonight, saints. That's the call.